Amen. Well, as I mentioned a moment ago, it, it's been an honor and a pleasure to be with you all so far. And yesterday was a great blessing. Uh, the uh, sermons that uh, Brother Lancaster preached were a blessing and, and a help to me personally. And uh, the sermon that Miss Wendy preached yesterday morning at Sunday school, well, that was powerful. And, and uh, thank you for that. It was a very helpful uh, testimony. And um, we've just enjoyed being here and, and getting to know some of you folks. We're very thankful, uh, Pastor Polly, for your kindness and allowing us to be with you this week. Uh, take your Bibles if you would. And I, I could carry on there thanking people and, and, uh, and talking, but I've only got 20 minutes. So... Uh, I'm going to respect the time limit there and jump right in. Am I on? Is the lapel? Okay, all right, we're good to go. John chapter 1. John chapter 1, turn there with me if you would. And we're going to read three verses in John chapter 1, starting in verse number 43. John chapter 1, verse number 43. You may remain seated as we read. Together, John chapter 1, starting in verse number 43, and we'll read, let's read four, uh, four verses here, and uh, I'll read and you follow along. The Bible says in John chapter 1, verse number 43, the day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee, and findeth Philip, and saith unto him, Follow me. Now Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip findeth Nathanael, and saith unto him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said, said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip saith unto him, Come and see. I want you to notice those last three words there. In verse number 46, Come and see. Heavenly Father, we love you. Thank you for the privilege we have to be in your house again tonight. I ask that you'd fill me now with your Holy Spirit's power. And may the words I speak not be mine, but may they be yours. I pray that our hearts will be tender and, and uh, willing to respond to however you lead us. In Jesus' precious name, amen. I love the theme uh, that you have up on the screens here. God's favorite word, come and a man's faithful witness go, and the references there, and if you haven't looked them up, uh, look them up. I'd encourage you to. I can only say that because I did just a few minutes ago. Uh, but those are both great, great passages, and uh, uh, go forth into the highways and hedges. And, you know, we're supposed to, as Christians, we're supposed to go. We're supposed to be fulfilling the Great Commission. But that first word there, the word come, is found in, in the, the verse we just read tonight. And I want to take just a few moments to preach on those three words found in the last part of verse number 46. Philip saith unto him, come and see. Now let me explain briefly uh, the setting here. Jesus Christ was, uh, was calling his apostles. He was gathering the twelve apostles that would be his, uh, you know, the ones that were with him uh, through thick and thin, and, and uh, his apostles, his twelve apostles. And one of the first, uh, in, if you read the verses just before where we, where we read here in verse number 43, if you look back there, you see where he called Andrew to follow him. And Andrew went and found his brother Peter. And told his brother Peter, we've found the Messiah. And Peter came and met Jesus. And Jesus called Peter to follow him. And, and a, a wonderful story there. And, in, and then in these verses that we read just a moment ago, uh, there in verse number 
44, now Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew, and Philip findeth Nathanael. So Philip, in the previous verse, excuse me, verse 43 there, was called uh, by Jesus to follow him. And the first thing that Philip did after he met Jesus, you know what it was? He went soul hunting. He went and found his friend Nathaniel and told his friend Nathaniel that he'd found the Messiah. And he invited, he encouraged Nathaniel to come and meet Jesus for himself. Well, Nathaniel, was, his response was, uh, was one of skepticism. And the reason, and he had good reason for it, and you have to understand a little, you know, a little bit of, of uh, the, the reason behind his skepticism. Uh, Nathaniel and, and Philip, both of them, and Andrew and Peter for that matter, all of them were from the city of Bethsaida. The city of Bethsaida was located right on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. And uh, don't lose me here. I know when people, you know, when preachers start giving geography, it's easy to, uh, to kind of get lost. But understand this. They were from the city of Bethsaida. And the city of Bethsaida, located on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, was a large city. Uh, as best estimates can tell, it was somewhere around 60,000 people. It was a city of commerce, a city of trade. They had ports there where the ships could come in and, and uh, deal their wares and so forth. And uh, so it was a large city. It was a, you might call it a melting pot. And so that's where Nathaniel and these other men were from, the, the city of Bethsaida. Located about 25 miles to the west was a little itty-bitty town of about 400 people. And that was the town of Nazareth. It was located in a small valley basin surrounded by mountains. And, uh, you know, it, it, it didn't have ports. It didn't have access to the Sea of Galilee like the city of Bethsaida did. And so when, when Philip came to his friend Nathaniel and said, We found the Messiah and he's from Nazareth. Nathaniel said, The Messiah's from the little podunk town of Nazareth? Yeah, right. He was skeptical. He didn't, and he said, can, can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? He did not believe the message that Philip shared with him that, you know, Jesus Christ, the, the, the Messiah was from Nazareth. He, he scoffed at that idea. You know, he, he, he doubted uh, Philip's message. And, uh, you know, if that were me and one of my closest friends would not believe what I was telling them, you know, I might be a little offended. And Philip, you know, he... Maybe he was offended, I don't know. But he, we know from Scripture that he didn't get angry and throw a fit and you know, didn't start throwing excuses back at, uh, or rebuttals back at Nathaniel. He only said three simple words found in verse number 46. He said this, come and see. And you know what, church family? The message that Philip shared with Nathaniel is the same message that you and I have to share today. Let me give you three things very quickly about the message that we have to share with a lost and dying world. Number one, we have a simple message. It was, it was preached about yesterday, it was referenced, but the gospel is simple. In fact, I can share it with you in four simple points. Number one, we're all sinners. Romans chapter 3 and verse 23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Number two, sinners deserve to die and go to hell. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Number three, Jesus Christ died and rose again to pay for our sin. 
Romans 5.8 says, But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And number four, if you simply ask, put your faith and trust in Christ alone to save you, you can go to heaven. And uh, uh, Romans chapter 10 and verse uh, 13 says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Romans 10 verse 9, excuse me. And in four simple points right there I shared with you the gospel. The greatest news this world has ever heard. It didn't take six weeks of Bible studies and courses. It It didn't even take an hour. And if you share the gospel with somebody in our praise the Lord and give it in depth. But I shared it with you in, in a, a minute. Four simple points. And gave you a presentation of the gospel. Praise God that salvation is simple. Amen. Praise God the gospel message is a simple message. That's right. You know the Bible tells us in Luke chapter 18 verse 17 that a child can understand salvation and can accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. I was five years old. When I knelt down in front of our green couch in Wanganui, New Zealand, my, my uh, dad led me through the Romans Road and I prayed and accepted Christ as my Savior. And, you know, in, in my teenage years I had some doubts and whatnot, but I remember very clearly as a five-year-old child kneeling and, and just, I was scared I was going to go to hell and asking Jesus to save me. I knew I was a sinner. I had five sisters. And so I picked on him and everything else. But uh, the oldest, I'm the oldest of, of all my siblings. So anyway, uh, so I, I knew I was a sinner. I knew I should go to hell, but I asked Jesus Christ to save me. And on that night, as a five-year-old child, Jesus Christ saved Amen. my soul. And I know I'm on my way to heaven. Praise God that God, the, the gospel is simple. Amen. It's not complicated. And when you say, listen, you've got to go through, you know, uh, uh, six, seven, eight weeks of Bible study in order to understand it, you've complicated the message. Because salvation is simple. Number two, we have a sound message. So understand the story here. When Philip came to Nathaniel and said, we found the Messiah, Nathaniel doubted what Philip told him and said, can there any good thing come from Nazareth? And, and we already talked about Philip. Instead of getting angry and instead of you know, rebuttaling the argument... He simply said, come and see. He invited Nathanael to come meet Jesus because Philip knew this. If Nathanael would come and meet Jesus, he would find out that the message was sound. That it was, a ma- it was fact. That it, that it was a true message. You know, when you've got a, a sound argument, then you can take it to the bank. You've got an argument that will stand on its own two feet. Because what you're saying, you know for a fact is true. When we share the gospel, church family, you can count, you can take it to the bank. That, the message you're sharing is the truth. When you tell a person about Jesus Christ, about the cross, about salvation... You're not just trying to, you know, you, you know, you, you pull, pull uh, ideas and thoughts and, and, uh, and some fairy tale out of thin air. No, you're sharing with them the gospel truth. That's why we call it the gospel truth. And so when Philip told Nathaniel, Nathaniel, the Messiah has come and he's from Nazareth, and Nathaniel said, can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip didn't have to try to persuade Nathaniel to believe him because he knew if he met Jesus, he would find out that the message was a sound message. That it was a matter of fact. 
uh, there's just some people that don't, you know, they won't believe what you tell them unless they see it for themselves. You say, what do you mean? Well, how many moms in here tonight? Any moms? Moms, if you, listen, moms that have a son, okay? When your son, maybe your son's grown now, but when your son was a teenager, maybe you still got a teenage son. Let's imagine, uh, for example, your son comes in and says, Mom, I cleaned my room without you telling me to. I folded all my clothes, put them away. I made my bed. I vacuumed the carpet and, and, and did it all without you telling me to. You moms, what would you say? I got to see that to believe it, right? <laughs> That's exactly what you'd say. You know, you, you, he can't convince you of that. How, how many of you, you, you uh, men, you've got a, a fishing buddy who always tells these stories about how he caught, you know, the biggest fish in the pond or in the lake. And, but, he, you, you've, you know, you've, you're never there when he catches him. <laughs> he always just tells you the story. And you, what's your response? I got to see it to believe it. You know, never got a picture, never, <laughs> always a story. When I started dating my beautiful wife, I'm, you got to understand, I'm, I'm seven years older than she is. And so when we started dating, I'd been single for, you know, I'd been graduated from college for seven years and, and single for some time. And, uh, and so some of my friends, when I told them that, you know, I had a girlfriend, we were dating. She was living in Kentucky. I was in North Carolina. So it was, a, you know, we were long distance. So when I told my friends that I had a girlfriend, they had the audacity to, to, to doubt me and say, yeah, right. How do we know what you're telling us is true? And I'd say, here's a picture of her. And they would say, no, 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 no. Where's the picture of you with her? <laughs> they didn't know what in the world. I mean, <laughs> but my point is there's just some people you can't convince unless they see it for themselves. Guess what? If a person, if you're trying to share the gospel with somebody and they don't want to believe you, it's not your job to convince them. All you have to do is share the gospel, and if they choose to take you at your word, and if they choose to take God at His word, guess what? They'll find out it's a true message. The gospel is a sound message. Number one, we have a simple message. Number two, we have a sound message. And number three, look at verse number 37, if you would. Verse number 37, and i gotta got to hurry here. Verse number 37, the Bible says, And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. This is two separate uh, disciples that had been following John the Baptist. And when John the Baptist saw Jesus, he pointed at him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. And those two disciples quit following John and started following Jesus. And by the way, that's what we're supposed to do, Christians. We're supposed to point others to Christ. John pointed those two disciples to Christ, and they began following Jesus. And then in verse number 38, Jesus turned and said unto them, uh, and said to them following, uh, What seek ye? They said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted master, where dwellest thou? He saith unto them, notice this little phrase, come and see. Amen. Number three, we have the Savior's message. Amen. You know, when Philip told Nathaniel, come and see, he wasn't sharing his own message. You know where he got his example? From Jesus Christ. When we share the gospel with a lost person, a friend or a family member or a co-worker who needs Christ, we share the gospel with that person, we're not just sharing some, some, uh, some myth or some man-made story. Some legend of old, you know, ancient times. No, we're sharing the Savior's message. And 
When we share the Savior's message, guess what? It carries power. It carries with it some weight. When, when I was growing up, I mentioned I had uh, five sisters and a brother. I'm the oldest of seven. And uh, some, you know, on, uh, uh, sometimes my, my dad, um, you know, he'd say, uh, Matthew, go call in your siblings. They're playing outside or whatever. Go call them in. It's time for supper. And so I'd run out on the front porch and say, hey, guys, it's time for supper. And they would ignore me, you know. I'm just their older brother. And they would keep doing whatever they're doing and, and playing around in the front yard. But if I said, hey, guys, Dad said it's time for supper, you better believe they were getting in there as fast as they could. Because Dad's words carried some weight. When we share the gospel, we're not just sharing some, you know, uh, uh, some dreamy, wonderful uh, idea about some place where you get to, uh, you know, go spend a, a wonderful life floating on clouds and strumming a golden harp. No, you're sharing the Savior's message. It's in His Word. It's not our Word. It's His Word. Praise God, we don't have to try to come up with some way to get to heaven. Praise God, He's already made a way. And when we share the message, we're sharing the Savior's message. I'll finish with this. God's given us a message. It's a simple message. It's a sound message. It's the Savior's message. Now it's our job to take that message to the lost. You know, we're at a missions conference. And... Uh, when you're at a missions conference, you know, you, you think about reaching the world with the gospel. And praise the Lord. That's, you know, that's the great commission is, is to go into the uttermost parts of the world, the earth and, and uh, preach the gospel. But every single one of us ought to be a witness for Christ every single day. Yeah. Or if, you're a, if you're a believer, if you're saved, then the great commission is for you. The great commission is, it's not just for uh, pastors, it's not just for Sunday school teachers, it's not just for missionaries, it's for every single believer. It's our duty, it's our obligation to take the gospel to the lost. You, now you say, well, I just, you know, I'm an introvert. I don't like talking to strangers. Hey, guess what? Join the club. I don't know if there's anybody in here that, you know, would rather go out and find a stranger to strike up a conversation with than sit around with friends and, and folks that they already know and are comfortable with. None of us want, you know, it's not comfortable, it's not convenient to share the gospel with the lost. You might say, well, I just don't know what I would say. I mean, I can't quote, the, you know, the, the, the scriptures. I can't quote the Romans Road. If you're saved, you have a testimony. It was preached about again yesterday. If you, if you have a testimony, then you can share what, what Christ did for you in your own life with someone else and, and just tell them what happened. And they can be saved. And listen, you say, well, what if, what if they ask me a question and I don't know the answer to it? Just say, come to my church, meet my pastor, and he'll give you the answer because he's got all the answers. <laughs> all right? And put the pressure on him. And uh, no, but just, you know, just invite him. It, come and see. It's an invitation. It's not complicated. Just give the best presentation of the gospel that you can and let the Lord do the rest. You know, it's the Savior's message. When you're working on the outside, giving the gospel with somebody, the Holy Spirit's working on the inside. He's doing the hard part. All you got to do is tell the, you know, a lost person. You say, well, I already give the missions. I already, you know, I put my missions uh, giving in the offering plate and so, so I'm good. Imagine it if, with me, if you will, a man who gives, donates, makes donations to his local fire department so that 
his, you know, in order to support uh, the fire department and help put out fires in his in his uh, his town in his city, and so you know he donates towards that. But the same man, imagine the same man driving down the road one day and he sees a house on fire, and he sees through one of the windows somebody trying to get out of that house, and he says to himself, "I'm all right. The fire department will be here soon enough." I've already done my part. I've already given to the fire department, made my donation. They'll take care of it. You'd say, what are you doing? Call 911 or something. You know, help that person in some way. Listen, giving to missions is wonderful. And, and, and missionaries, we need financial support. But all of us have the obligation to share the gospel with the lost around us. There's a lost world dying and going to hell. And every single one of us ought to be a witness for Jesus Christ. Let me encourage you tonight, take some tracks with you as you leave the church house. Put them in your pocket, put them in your purse, take them to work with you tomorrow, take them to the grocery store, take them to the gas station. The gas station is a great place to give tracks to people. It's a great place to talk to people about Jesus because you've got a captive audience. They can't go anywhere. You know, they're stuck there gassing up their car. And so you poke your head around the gas pump, say, hey, I'm for Faith Baptist Church. I'd like to give you an invitation. And you're presented with an opportunity. Listen, folks, we ought to be witnesses for Jesus Christ. We ought to be soul winners. Dr. Howes used to say, be soul conscious. We ought to be soul conscious everywhere we go. Take every opportunity we have. We've got a message that's simple, it's sound, and it's the Savior's. Now we ought to share it.